Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the MLB playoffs start with a bang, down to eight in the NASCAR Cup playoffs. A new NHL regular season is upon us. The Matt Rule era is over in Carolina. Where did it all go wrong? A shuffling in this week's rankings, recapping last week's college football games, and previewing week seven's biggest games. With that, I give you our Chief Fire Fire Brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here in Delaware, Ohio, in Matt's basement, live in the studio. We got uh, we got the game on. You know, there's, a, like Colton said, MLB uh, second round has actually started, and we got a barn burner in that Seattle-Houston game right now. But uh, we'll get started with the first game today. Well, we'll kind of recap, I guess, the wild card series a little bit. Um, didn't go the way I thought it would, uh, especially with the, with the Phillies and the cards. Mm-hmm. I think all three of us kind of caught St. Louis would, uh, you know, ride that wave of being Pujol swan song. And man, they just, uh, they got swept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there's, there was some crazy games, late inning comebacks, lots of runs scored in all the games, except for that Cleveland, um, <laughs> Tampa, Bay. Tampa Bay series, uh, you know, a two to one game in the opening game and a one to nothing game in the second game in 15 innings. So right. you kind of had no matter what kind of baseball you like to watch. If you like to watch a lot of runs, there was games that did that. Or if you like to watch pitchers duels, um, there was there was games that were, were gave you that as well. So let's kind of recap, uh, you know, the wild card games a little bit, fellas. Tell me what you thought of the mat- opening <clears throat> round matchups. Yeah, no, it was was interesting. Um, you know, you, you you mentioned that Cleveland series, and uh, you know, Cleveland was the only higher seed to advance out yeah, of the wild yeah. card. All the yeah. all the lower seeds, which, I mean. We probably should have seen it coming. You know, I talked about it, you know, going into some of those matchups or kind of previewing some of those matchups that all, you know, other than Cleveland, all of the lower seeds had had better records against the higher seeds in the regular season. And, you know, it held true in the in the playoffs. I mean, yeah, it definitely didn't go as I, you know, as it had expected outside of, you know, picking Cleveland to win. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, pretty much got all the rest of the series wrong. You know, I, I, I thought, you know thought the rest of them, you know, would be, would be some closer games. Um, you know, I thought there would be, you know, some more game threes or, you know, whatnot. And we only got one of those and that was the, the Mets Padres series. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah that I, one definitely didn't go the way I thought it uh, didn't, didn't go the way, you know, we thought, and, you know, I think, uh, New York Mets fans, you know, are, are, I don't know that if you're a Mets fan, you can't, you can't be anything short of just sick to your stomach. I right. mean, yeah. You win a hundred games in the regular right. season, and then you get beat in the you first round. Should I have mean, been the number two seed that you're taking care of business against Atlanta. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. We talked about that. You know, winning over a hundred games, and you're a wild card team. Right. Yeah. Right. And there, we thought that was a disadvantage for San Diego, but they took it as you know more fuel to the fire, and you know they oh they, boy they got the Mets on their on sorry, sorry to break in walk, walk off, off home, home run, run for Houston in the eight ninth. to seven oh, unbelievable wowzers first it. pitch. I think it was first pitch. Yeah, it was second, second. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, yeah. No, the wild card. Yeah, wild card is exciting, and we're starting with a <laughs> we're starting with a bang here in the in the second round. Too. Yeah, because that first game today, uh, you know, the Phillies had the Braves number the whole game. Uh, I think at one point they were up like seven to two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Braves scored four runs in the bottom of the ninth and had runners on. Uh, couldn't finish the deal, but uh, you know, three run shot in the bottom of the ninth to get it within one run and. And then uh, they had their opportunities earlier in the game. They had bases loaded in the third and got no runs across. You know, those kind of those kind of things kill you. And I got some information on that going forward in, the, in this next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Braves, you know, Braves, Phillies, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, for these for these lower seeds to kind of pull off the upsets or, you know, whatever, because it's a best of five series in these in these games. That means that, you know, potentially the lower seed only has one game at home. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's a clean sweep, there's yeah. only one game you get to play at your home, you know, home field here. Right, right. Um, so you have to, you know, to give your opportunity to get back home and play there a little bit longer. Right. You got to at least split or get, you know, get some games there on the on the road to get back to your to your, you know, your home, your home field there where, you know, traditionally more, you know, the teams are. uh you know, better on their own home field or, you know, whatever than they are on the road. So I think, yeah, the, you know, hats off to the Phillies to, you know, steal one in, in Atlanta and, and, and take one there and, you know, hold on. 
I, I think, can't help but believe that pitcher just missed the spot in this. Why would you challenge a guy like Alvarez that's 36 home runs and almost 100 RBIs and mm-hmm. he just grooved him one man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Grapefruit, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but, yeah, no, that series is going to gonna be interesting. I mean, I, I, I thought for, for Seattle to have a chance in this series, you know, like I just said, they got to get one here Absolutely. on the road and they, they just, you know, squandered a perfect opportunity. Another team that, you know, was up, you know, seven to three or, you know, seven to one. I mean, got to Houston's ace and Justin Verlander. I mean, yeah. the guy's nearly yeah. 40 years old and is pitching like a, you know, a 20 year old. 18 and four this season with a 175. And they, they got to him early and often and, yeah. you know, had him on the ropes. And, you know, I, I thought that was the key for, for Seattle to, to take it. But, this this Houston team, man, they just got batters they did, they and batters, did, yeah. and they just you know they plug away at it, and before you know it, you're there. Well, and we said that when we turned this on just before we came on the air, like we mentioned how you know two runs is nothing for for the Astros. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then, yeah, uh, second second in the AL in home runs yeah. and uh, second to last in strikeouts. That's a pretty you know usually what you see is team may be leading the league in home runs, but they also lead the league in strikeouts. Well, that's not the case with Houston. They're not only hitting the ball out of the park, but they're not striking out either. So Mm -hmm. even if they're putting guys on base, then when they get somebody up there, they're, they're making it count and, you know, not hitting you with just single home runs. They're hitting you with two and three, you know, run home runs. So it's, it's the big ones that they, that you give up there. And, I just think, yeah, that, that the Mariners squandered squandered one there. Um, because, yeah, that was their opportunity, like you said. Because uh, and I'll tell you, these, these wild card teams, they they really got to get these early wins here because they're they're already at a disadvantage coming into this thing because they they pitched their best two pitchers mm-hmm. to win their wild card series. Right. So getting in here, they're they're going against the other team's ace with their three. Mm-hmm. So you know th- th- their rotation's all messed up that way. Mm-hmm. You're starting at a disadvantage. Right. You know, you gotta take you gotta take one of these ones early to, to really give yourself a shot to win. Yeah, absolutely. Right, well, uh, what do we think uh, about the game? It's getting ready to come up here next. The, whole, yeah, the hometown. They should, be, they should be throwing out the first pitch right. You know, any minute now. Yeah, hometown. Um, Cleveland. Yeah, Guardians. I mean, you know, Cleveland looked good. The pitching looked good. The hitting. We're gonna we got to do a better job. Obviously, getting runs across the plate against a team like the Yankees. Um, you know, you got Aaron Judge who is. New York's triple crown winner, you know, led their team in home runs, ERAs and RBIs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're starting their ace, Garrett Cole, 13 and eight, 3.5 ERA and 257 strikeouts mm-hmm. on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the kid from uh, Cal Quantrill from Cleveland, uh, you know, he's, you know, he, he didn't put up the numbers that uh, as far as ERA and strikeouts like uh, Bieber did, but he did lead the team in wins. He's 15 and five. Uh, a, a little bit lower ERA than than Garrett Cole at three point three eight, but he, he does he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, Cleveland's got a solid defense. Those young guys out there are playing great defense. So, you know, he lets guys put the ball in play and relies on those those eight or seven guys playing behind him to mm-hmm. uh, you know to take care of business on defense. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is two you know totally opposite ends of the yeah. of the spectrum here yeah. with these two with these two teams uh you know the and not just you know statistics from you know a baseball standpoint but from just a payroll standpoint oh. the yankees uh around you know for 2022 they're going to pay out nearly 250 million dollars the guardians on the other hand 69 million dollars wow. um and I, and I looked it up the yankees are going to pay 10 of their players an eight figure salary not you know, not a six-figure, seven-figure, eight-figure salary. The Guardians only playing one, and that's the Jose Ramirez yeah. for for the Guardians, and, and much you know, much deserved or you know, well earned because uh, he's the guy that makes you know makes the Guardians go, especially mm-hmm. on that offensive side of the ball. But uh, and you know, you can look at that sixty-nine million that the, the that the Guardians are shelling out, and you know, a good portion of that is going to Jose, where you know the rest of it is just made up with guys that you know they've brought up through the minors or you know through you know, trades and things like that. But yeah, just two very contrasting styles, you know, not only on the playing field, but you know, in the, with the, with the banks as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, you got to think that's kind of some of the problem with Cleveland though, because they do this all the time. You know, they start, they develop all that homegrown talent. Then they, they ship them out to keep payroll low, Mm -hmm. but yet somehow they keep making the playoffs, which is enough (laughs) for the ownership to say, right. We're going to keep doing what we're doing. Well, that's, you know, that's the woes of a mid market. 
team, yeah. I think, is what you're seeing there. They're just not going to pay that big money to that many people. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to touch on real quick, you know, I talked about Aaron Judge being the Yankees triple crown winner, 62 home runs, 131 RBIs over 311 batting average. And, you know, obviously Ramirez is, is the Cleveland's, you know, their big hitter. But he only hit 29 home runs, which, you know, obviously is a lot of home runs for, for a guy. But, you know, that right there, you know, but he was only five behind Judge in RBIs. Mm -hmm. You know, so, I mean, obviously he does, count. he does a better job of hitting with runners in scoring position. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Yankees, I think, just rely on hitting solo shots and uh you know even and he has a better uh judge even has a better average uh 311 versus a 298 but ramirez obviously is making those making those hits count mm -hmm. with, yeah. you know only trailing by five five rbi so yeah absolutely. what's what's i guess what it boils down to fellas what's cleveland's chances in this series yeah i i honestly i know it's probably you know probably not a shocker just because i am a cleveland fan but i i think cleveland can can advance in this one fellas i i think you know if their pitching can stay you know red hot like they have been over the last you know a half or you know last month or so of the season i think they can limit the yankees like you said the, the yankees are you know live and die by that home run ball if they don't you know if they're not you know hitting the ball out of the park you know how are they generating runs how are they getting mm -hmm. runs and then you look at you know kind of their pitching outside of garrett cole they don't have much you know much to go to when it comes to starting pitching and even their relief pitching is is banged up and dealing with injuries and has been you know kind of an issue for them as as hot as the Yankees were to start the season and get off to you know a real real hot start they have played eh, okay here yeah, the second so half baseball. you know you think, since you think some of the injuries you know is has to do with the age I mean like we talked yeah. about how young Cleveland is you know right. the young guys just don't have that wear and tear mm -hmm. on their bodies going forward right um, I, I think that I did I look this up right you said Houston was um, the second best team in the number of strikeouts, but isn't Cleveland number one? Yep, they are they the best. Fewest, yeah, their hitters streak out, strike out the least in the MLB. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that to me, going, they're doing everything right. They mm -hmm. play good defense. They play hard. Right. They, you know, they hit for, you know, when it matters, guys in scoring position. They don't strike out. They take a lot of walks. Right. Um, I, I agree with Colton. The potential is there yeah. for, I think for it, an it, upset. It boils down to like, you know, like we said, those home runs. I think that they can they can allow home runs. They can give up home runs, but it's gotta be the solo, solo shots. shots. It can't be the two and three dingers, you know, that will just, you know, break the morale of a of a team, you know, especially in the playoffs, playing on the road, you know, behind that Yankees crowd. You you gotta limit those opportunities as much as you can. Um and, and I think, yeah, you get get ahead of the, get ahead of them, you know, in the, in the pitch count, whatever. But I, I think the Guardians got a real, real shot here, you know, with that, I, the starting pitching that they have and, and even and their relievers, they their don't middle relief's been good. Been good. They're, I, they're, I think they're... they can limit these Yankee hitters and, and, you know, really, really stifle them. So, right. yeah, I think if Cleveland, if Cleveland can take this one tonight and shock Garrett Cole, mm -hmm. I, I think this is their series mm -hmm. to lose. Yeah. I, I think no matter what Cleveland wins a couple games in this okay. series, I think this thing Keep goes it competitive. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a competitive nice. series. Yeah. Absolutely. Look, looking forward to it. And the last game, the late game tonight, uh, we talked about it a little bit. The Padres, uh, you know, it finished the season 89 and 73 going up against the Dodgers who were 111 and 51. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, I think, from since they went to 162 game format, uh, that's the third best record. Uh, I think maybe tied for third, but the third best record ever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they got their ace on the mound that Julio Urias, 17 and 7, 2.16 ERA. Um, and, and Padres are starting Mike, Mike Clevenger, who was, you know, at 500 at 7 and 7 and uh, 4.33 ERA. Mm -hmm. So, like Matt said, you know, they're, they don't have that luxury of being able to send their ace out to get that all important or try to get that all important, you know, first game win. Right. And there's just so many numbers. Uh, on paper, I think to me, stacked against the Padres, you know, they're 15 points or more behind in, in team at batting average, um, almost a hundred or over 140 runs less, um, this season, over 50 home runs less a season and almost a, a whole point better, uh, ERA from the Dodgers pitching staff. So, yeah. I mean, everything points to the Dodgers, the Dodgers winning this series 
but do you think that's the way it'll go? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, you know, another stat that's against the Padres. I mean, obviously these two two teams are divisional opponents. So they've mm-hmm. seen each other a lot during the regular season. Um, you know, almost nearly twenty times in the regular season. The Dodgers were fourteen and five against the Padres in the regular season. I don't, I don't think you can ignore that stat yeah, either. Right. Um, you know, and I think that just has a lot to do. I mean, this Dodgers team, I mean, we say it every year how do they get any better, but they just continue to to find ways to get better every year. Uh, and again, they have, you know, one of the best, if not the best team in, in baseball and, and Ever. yeah. And San Diego, you know, like Matt said, having that disadvantage, because I, I think that was the key to their winning, you know, their previous series against the Mets. Their their two aces they sent out there. Yeah. They they were they lived up to the bill. Yeah, they yeah. did their did yeah. their thing. Yeah. So it's it's gonna be tough. You're you're asking, you know, like you said, Clevenger, you know, a five hundred pitcher at seven and seven with almost a five ERA to go yeah. out there and, 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 you know, get it done for you. Yeah, I mean, that should be their number four. Right. They're even worse off because right. that series went three games. Right. I meant, right. I meant to number look four. it up. What, what his ERA was against the Dodgers. And I, and I forgot, I mm-hmm. was going to look that up, but, but yeah, interesting to see. You're, you're asking, yeah, a tall task game one, you know, on the road. Um, so I, I, I would say, I, I think game one probably goes to the Dodgers. Right. The question is in game two, does San Diego then go back? To I their, think so. Their, their I, I think one. they almost have, yeah, you, you got to turn especially that yeah you can't go down 2-0 i right. think you got to give yourself at least a chance right to get even whatever you got if you got to pitch him on short rest yep. um yeah i think i think you got even if he only goes you know five mm-hmm. innings or something I, I think you're gonna see that scenario with with a lot of these teams mm-hmm. i think yeah. they're gonna jump back to their ace sooner than that that full rest right and right sometimes that pays off and sometimes it's just it, a disaster right. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah. <clears throat> all right uh so that's that's uh mlb going forward Real quick, we're going to touch on NASCAR. We're down to eight people. There's been some wacky stuff going on in NASCAR (laughs) right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, uh, Kyle Larson, he's not going to repeat. He was eliminated, Mm -hmm. you know, in this road course at Charlotte this past weekend. And uh, Chris Bell, who was sitting in 11th, had to win the race to stay in. And he he did. And he did. And Um, and bumped Larson out as a result. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then. You know, we saw a guy, uh, William Byron, who was sitting at 10th after the Talladega race um, because he was docked points for a deliberate spin of Denny Hamlin um, under a yellow. They took not only fined him 50 grand, which is nothing for a NASCAR team, but they, they actually docked him 25 points. <laughs> That's pretty um, significant in yeah. this tight of a race. And then know? they appe- But then they gave it back. They appealed it, um, so it moved him back to seventh place. Um mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was able to uh, move up one spot, uh, interestingly enough, ahead of Denny <laughs> one spot ahead of Denny Hamlin. <laughs> right, right. Um, but the reason I kind of read on why they did that, they said it should have been an in-race penalty, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, the NASCAR officials missed, missed the point that it was deliberate. Now, yeah. I don't know how you can miss that. You're under a yellow flag and a guy takes somebody out. How can that not be deliberate? Right. Um, but, uh, but that was the reasoning they gave for that, that it should have been an in-race penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they uh, they gave the 25 points back but doubled the fine to 100000 mm-hmm. And I'm sure they'll trade for that all day long. <laughs> yeah. If they could buy another 25 points for fifty grand, <laughs> right, they would. Right. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, give me your guys' thoughts going forward with these eight drivers we got left. Yeah, Matt, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. Uh, you know, it, it seems like some of the uh, the older guys, the, the cream of the crop, is, is, is coming back to the top here. Yeah. You know, we mentioned when this whole thing started, it was a lot of kind of the change in the guard, the younger guys. But, you know, now you got Joey Logano up there at number two. Denny Hamlin's, you know, in there in that top eight. You got some of the older guys, um, and really Chase Elliott isn't really. I mean, yeah, he's been there for a while now. Yeah, I mean, he's not really a new guy, right. I would say. So yeah, I agree with some of that. So, so Ryan yeah. Blaney, mm-hmm. he's been racing, and he's the only one in that top eight who has not won a, a race all season, Man. but he's still still he's sitting still at number, number five. five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. No, I think this is this is interesting. You know, like like you said, we're down to down to eight people uh, left in the playoff race. You know, it's going to get kicked off this weekend. Um, you know, on Sunday they're you know racing in in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, Vegas Motor Speedway. Then the other races are at uh, Homestead, Miami, and then the elimination race or the last race in the group of eight is uh, at Martinsville, uh, um, Phoenix. I thought Phoenix. I thought they went Vegas, Miami. No, I think Phoenix Martinsville is. And Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the last race of the season. Oh, that's right. If they only do three races for elimination. Yeah. Um, so right. my bad. My yeah. Bad. So then, uh, 
but yeah, the, the four drivers that got, you know, eliminated from, you know, the group of 12 was, you know, like we mentioned, Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, and then Alex Bowman were the, were the four yeah. drivers that didn't make it to the, to the group of eight. So yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, going to get interesting. You know, those, those are some interesting points you bring up or, you know, just some, some crazy stuff that's happened in the playoffs, but I think that just makes it more interesting or, you know, adds to the, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, interest appeal or whatever to your average NASCAR so, driver. So give NASCAR me your, rate. give me your Man. three advance or uh, give me your four that advance after those three races. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Chase Elliott, it seems like he's uh, been pretty consistent through, oh, yeah, through this, you know, not only through the year, but, you know, in these playoffs so far, I think, you know, he'll, he'll take it there. Um, but, you know, I expect, you know, maybe one of the guys from, from the bottom there, you know, a Denny Hamlin, you know, like you said, a, an experienced or, you know, a, a guy that's been around for, for a while and you know martinsville being mm -hmm. one of the the races that's been around for a long time i mean yeah. i think that's going to help or you know mm -hmm. play into it uh that you know have experience there know the track you know know the feel and stuff like that so i, I expect maybe you know one of those guys that's sitting in you know five through eight to maybe sneak their way in there right. um, mm -hmm. and, and overtake them <clears throat> yeah i mean and really two through eight they're less than 20 points, you know, separates them. So, I mean, right. anything, it's anybody's game through there, but I agree. I, I think some of these, these older veteran guys know, know all the tricks and what they need to do to at least be in the top to mm -hmm. yeah. get the, give give themselves shot. enough points to have a chance to advance. So I, I think Joey Logano has got a real good shot to advance. Mm -hmm. I agree. Denny Hamlin, you know, and like you said, Chase Elliott's done nothing but win this year. Right. I, I think he probably keeps getting the job done. Right. So I, I like those three for sure. So, uh, we all agree this is probably Chase Elliott's championship to lose. You yeah. Think? yeah, at this point, I mean, yeah, barring something crazy, and you know we've mm -hmm. seen it already, but yeah, barring yeah. something crazy, I, I think it, yeah, he's he's got a real good good shot. It's gonna be interesting though, because yeah. like I said, there's been some crazy stuff. You know what happens with uh, Denny Hamlin and 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 William Byron going forward. You know we'll see how that all works itself <laughs> out. You know, I, I also um, thought it was, it was a little interesting that the the cars these guys drive. I, I think it, it came down in these top eight. It's it's three Chevy, three Ford, two Toyota. Wow. So pretty, I mean, it, it's, yeah, it's evenly split up. So it, it doesn't seem like the car, you know, the style of the car makes that, makes any you know, real I difference. I think that probably lends itself to this, you know, car of the future. What's well, not really car, gen car, next whatever. gen car, but right. yeah. They're all so similar, you know, they all are, I don't know, to me, it's kind of taken, to me, it's taken a little bit of the luster out of it, but mm -hmm. I guess you can say then it's more on the driver that, right. but I, to me, it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but guys are always looking for an advantage. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You know, you see these teams that have been doing this a long time and then all of a sudden you see them get fined for uh, this, that, and the other thing. And you know, they're. I mean, to they, me, they, just trying to they knew what by. they were doing. Yeah. They've built enough of these cars. They know what's legal and what's not legal. Yeah. So yeah. if they got caught doing something, they were trying to slip one in, I think. Yeah. You know, so. Hoping NASCAR wouldn't yeah. catch it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, we, yeah, on to the NHL. Um, it's hard to believe, but, you know, we have our first two games in the NHL season tonight. Um, you know, and before we get into those games, I kind of uh, looked at some stuff that right now. Um, the, the power rankings, the Avalanche defending champs are number one in the power ranking. Um, probably rightfully so. Rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And I didn't, I didn't want to go through the whole thing because, you know, we're early in a long season, obviously. But I did look at the Blue Jackets, and so I think, and this, the three guys sitting here, maybe in all of sports, that's the only team that all three of us root for. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they got, they got right now, they got the, I don't know, I was a little surprised. The, the Jackets are clear down to 23rd in the power ranks and got yeah. to 32 teams. Mm -hmm. You know, they missed the playoffs, um, but uh, they gave up the second most shots in the NHL last year mm -hmm. and the fifth most goal. So I, I hopefully they focused in the right uh, direction in the off season that, you know, they picked up Johnny Goudreau, who's an offensive player, signed him to a, to a seven-year contract. And while that's exciting, you know, that's not really where we fell down last year. Mm -hmm. It was defensively. So, yeah. And I, I think that's a big reason why we're so far down. We, we Our goalie situation is still unsettled. It's we still the same. That yeah. Top, top yeah. of the league. I think the guy, goalies but... are settled, but we're – I mean, when you give up the second – Second most shots in the NHL, um, you know, it doesn't set your goalie up yeah, for much success. Right. You got you got to take some of the pressure off of him, right. you know, going forward. So yeah, no, um, absolutely. So uh, the two games that tonight, you got the Tampa Bay Lightning against the New York Rangers, and you know it's a rematch of Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals that the Rangers lost uh, two to one last year, and you know Tampa Bay moved on. 
but uh, tell me how you think this goes tonight. Yeah, it's gonna gonna be interesting. This is yeah, starting the season off with the bang. I think, like you said, you, re, you know, uh, uh, the revenge tour for for the Rangers to start, you know, game one here to you know see how they how they match up against an opponent that you know made them look silly in, in you know last year's uh, Eastern Conference. You know, if you if you remember right, the Rangers were up two nothing in that series, and then the the Lightning won four nothing, mm-hmm. or you know, won the next four That's games. Perfect. So it's uh. You know, going to be see, going to be interesting. You know, what what adjustments did you know the Rangers make to mm-hmm. to, to to be the best? You got to beat the best, mm-hmm. and you know there hasn't been a better team in hockey the last you know probably five six years than than Tampa Bay right now. So I agree. and we'll see. You know, can Tampa Bay continue to have the success? They you know once again they they find a way to bring back almost their entire team that they you know have used over the last you know three four years to make the the Stanley Cup runs that they have you know, can they keep it going? Can they stay motivated? Can they, you know, keep finding ways to keep themselves motivated to, you know, keep chasing Stanley cups. Um, that that's always, I think those top teams, that's mm-hmm. what you gotta, you gotta figure out. How do you stay motivated right. enough to keep wanting to push for more and more and more when you've, you know, done, you know, more, more, more already. So yeah, they be, won it two years in a row, a row. And I think all three of us even picked, picked them to three feet. Right. They, and we're on the brink of doing, but you know, right. fell obviously to the, to the avalanche there. But uh, so I think that's going to be, it's going to be the big thing, big thing for me. But, you know, we, we talk about goalies or, you know, the blue jackets lack of, you know, goalie play. These two teams got two oh, phenomenal best, goalies, yeah, you know, probably in the, in the, in the, in the league. So it's going to be, you know, We'll see. I, I expect maybe some opening game jitters. There may be some early goals scored, you know, kind of early on. But I expect, you know, probably going into the second period, second, third period, stuff to really tighten yeah. down and, and it, you know, to be a possible one one goal game, you know, and, and, and go either way. I mean, New York does get the luxury. They are playing at home where right. they were one of the best teams in hockey at home last year or so. Um, not just in the regular season, but the playoffs included. So, yeah. and I think the Rangers might might steal one here. They are the favorite. Yeah, they yeah. Are the favorite. I mean, looking at this, neither of these teams really made any changes mm-hmm. in, through through the off seasons, and they were evenly matched last year. I, I think though, because the the Rangers are quite a bit younger here than Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, that team's been together for a long time. Right. Yeah. I think Tampa Bay understands that it's a, it's a long season mm-hmm. and it's a grind. Right. So they're not going to be as worried as flying in on game one, putting it all out there and, mm-hmm. and trying to take this win. Right. I think right. the Rangers want to set the tone early. Right. Right. So I, I look, I look for the Rangers to win. In the yeah. Finals, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. Right. Second game on the slate, you got the Golden Knights uh, uh, at the LA Kings. And this to me kind of reminds me of that series between the Cleveland Guardians and the New York Yankees. Mm. You got a, a veteran squad in the Knights that, you know, they're, they're a, a salary strap team. I mean, they're, they're paying guys big money. They're like, this is kind of, I look at it for them as like, uh, do it this season or it's time to retool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they missed the playoffs last year. First time in franchise. History. Yeah. And first time in history. And then on the, on the other side, you got the Kings, one of the youngest teams in the NHL. And, you know, they, they took the Oilers to game seven last year. Mm-hmm. So I look for, I look for the, the, the youthfulness of the Kings you know, that exuberance that, you know, once they get past the jitters in that first period, I look for the LA Kings to take this game. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned that, you know, if, if Vegas doesn't get it done this year, it might be time to start blowing things up. They, they really kind of started blowing it up after last year. They, they fired their coach. They've got a new coach coming in this year. They they also traded off their star forward, Max Pacioretty, mm-hmm. and their defenseman, Dylan uh, Coughlin. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they, they started – to a little bit of get a that rebuild. salary cap and a little bit of right. rebuild right. there towards the end of last year. So, you know, where LA they're bringing back pretty much the, the entire core of their team. Mm-hmm. They they were pretty good last year. I look for LA and their youthfulness to get it done this game. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's you know two contrasting styles at the same time. I think uh, the offense for the Golden Knights is going to be okay, or they you know feel confident that they'll they'll be okay. It's the defensive side that they're still got a little bit of question marks, or you know if they want to be you know, a top level team or, you know, be a real playoff contender. They're going to have to figure out that, that side of the puck there. Um, but on the flip side, you got the Kings who, you know, defensively, I think they'll be, they'll be okay. They got sound defense, you know, great fundamentals on that, that side, but it's the offense, you know, can they generate enough offense to, to, you know, keep them in games or, you know, be competitive in games. I think that's where they got to, you know, find out who their, you know, who their top guys are going to be, you know, to, to get them some goals. But I think uh, for me, the difference in this one, the golden Knights, they're, they're starting goalies out a few months on, on injury. They're going to have to start mm-hmm. their backup goalie. 
he's a little bit shaky last, you know, last year. Um, but so I, I expect, uh, you know, the Kings to come out and win, win this one, you know, take one in, uh, you know, opening night here. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a real quick commercial break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back in the studio. Thanks for for sticking around. Um, I'm going to get into some uh, NFL news here just a little bit. Um, You know, we did our quarter season update last week, but uh, real quick, we want to update Matt Matt rules out Carolina after less than three seasons on a, on a seven year deal. Um, You know, a one and four start this season, 11, 11 and 27 overall. Uh, He's on employment. Don't feel too bad for him. They still got to pay him over 40 million. (laughs) Right. So uh, give me your guys' thoughts, right move, wrong move. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Like before we started the show and, you know, even kind of yesterday or, you know, last couple of days, you know, I, said something to dad. I was like, you know, based on Carolina's performances to start the season, I said, Matt rule has to be, his seat is either got to be, you know, super hot or his pants are on fire because I was like, there's no way this guy's going to make it to the end of the end of the season. And it wasn't 24 hours later. We got the alert that, yeah, he's, he's out in Carolina. And I think at this point, it, it, I don't know, I I guess, it, it may have been too early. I mean, yeah, like you said, gets a seven year deal, but then they only give them, you know, two little over two, two seasons yeah, to try to try to put, put a team together. And after their owner had ju- just made the comment right. last week that, you know, it takes five to six years to build a team mm-hmm. in the NFL. So, right. You know, they, they kind of sent mixed messages a mm-hmm. little bit, I think. Yeah. I think that they, you know, also kind of maybe let the fans play a part into it. If, if you've been paying attention to any of the Panthers games here recently, there's been a real diminish in the attendance from the home, the home fans at, you know, home games. It's almost been one of those things that uh, it's been, uh, you know, almost a 50, 50, you know, when it comes to away teams versus home team, it, it's been somewhat of a 50, 50 mix or whatever, but I just think, yeah, they, they, nothing, nothing was going right. You know, offensively, defensively, nothing was going right for, for Matt rule. Um, but, think you can look at it at the same time just the inconsistency at, at qb for for them they never never found a qb to right. have you know anything to you know have any kind of continuity you know on the offensive side of the ball i mean year you know every year he was there he had a different starting quarterback <laughs> to start the season so you know year one they they handed the ball over to you know teddy bridgewater brought him in on a three-year 63 million dollar deal after year one they gave him the axe then they trade for, you know, uh, for the former New York Jets quarterback, you know, Sam Darnold, thinking he was going to be the savior in year in year two, knowing he had, you know, a losing record as the starter in New York, comes in in year two, nothing, nothing, you know, no good. Uh, year, you know, year three, they trade for, you know, another, you know, uh, I guess, throwaway quarterback that the Browns, you know, were willing to get rid of in, in Baker Mayfield. And he's off to a historically bad season or, you know, bad start and, and, you know, is now injured as well, um, you know, injured uh, his leg and is in a walking boot and going to be out for the next two to six weeks. So, you know, what's his, what's his career look like, but we, that's a, that's a story for another day, right. but yeah, just the inconsistency at QB just has not, you know, has not been kind to, to Matt rule while he's been in, in, in Carolina. And I just think, yeah, this, it, it didn't work out. And, you know, you know, Matt said it, you know, college cube, you know, college yeah, coach, coach just not working well. out in the NFL. I'm not, I don't think that rule will stay unemployed for very long. I, I expect him to back make to his, the, make the his NFL way back, back to college, back, back to college. college yeah. um, you know, at least, you know, it, the NFL may come knocking again at, at some point, but you know, I think he's got to go back and reestablish himself again and, and, you know, 
maybe try to you know figure a few more things out before he tries to make that right. step could be, again. Could be a lot of big jobs open in the Big Ten, it looks yeah. like, going yeah. forward. But well, yeah, you know, it, it might be a blessing in disguise that, you know, Nebraska and Wisconsin made those moves early because they, they should be front runner. I mean, they ought to be making phone calls right well, now. They have an that, opening. And that's what I feel about Carolina. If they were, if they were not going to stick with this guy, I think they're doing it at the right time mm. to get ahead of the game and start their search early before, yeah. you know, right. some of the – good prospects are, are taking up. I know you guys didn't spend a lot of time looking, but I did a little bit of time. Um, like, and all the uh, Steve Wilkes, our defense coordinators taking over in, um, in the interim. Um, and all the other uh, prospect I saw were already defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Some of them from the same teams, mm-hmm. uh, both the OC and DC from the Eagles and OC and DC from the bills were on that short list. But the guy that was number one, and he, I think, to me, it's an obvious pick, Sean Payton. Mm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, he's sitting out there and has made comments that he, you know, wants to make his way yeah. back or, you know, is for the right situation, the right opportunity. Yeah, does he want Carolina? Yeah, though? I don't know. It, cool. it would be interesting because he would be coming back to the division that he is so used to. They mm. do play in the same division mm-hmm. as the Saints, Tampa Bay, you know, all those teams that he is had familiar, you know, a lot of familiarity. Obviously he's been with the saints for, you know, his entire career or whatever. Right. So has a ton of familiarity with them, but at least he'd be going back to a division that he knows right. a little bit about, and, or, you and know, again, like we talked about before the show, you're not going to take over a team that's ready to win anyway. Right. I mean, yeah. You're, you're you, going to, if you want to get back into it, you're going to have to be willing to say, all right, these first couple seasons, I'm going to take, I'm going to take lumps. some lumps. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Sean Payton, obviously he's going to be, a name that's thrown around Much for after. not just yeah. this job, but you know, yeah. others that come available before the season is, is up or whatever. But uh, you know, the Panthers, not only did they fire their head coach, but they fired the defensive coordinator same time as, as Matt rule. Uh, they fired their defensive coordinator and, you know, that ball, that side oh, of the ball yeah, is yeah, yeah. as much of a, of yeah, a dumpster right. fire as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it'll, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I, you know, I just think, yeah, Carolina had, somewhat higher expectations they thought you know baker was going to be the difference for them and they just have not they've gotten off yeah, to that a, experiment didn't a super out. super lousy start so yeah, being early in the year they really ought to start blowing that team up you mm-hmm. know move move some pieces like christian mccaffrey yeah i've get, heard get i've heard some heard him. some rumors that yeah he may be you know because we're about a month away from the trading block or you know whatnot in the nfl and yeah i've heard heard mccaffrey's name tossed around there at possible you know some well, trade for, for his fantasy value he's on my fantasy team i'd love to see him go so Somewhere he can do something a little more than Carolina. Yeah. All right. Well, on to the amateur ranks. Um, we're going to recap our five games from last week. It's interesting. We all went four and one, but we all lost a different game. Um, so it was interesting. It was a fun week. There was some good football out there. Um, the, the game I missed right off the top was that Tennessee LSU game. I, I really thought LSU at home would play a lot better than what they did, mm-hmm. but uh, you know they they wound up getting they wound up getting manhandled. By yeah, Tennessee. I mean it, Tennessee looks looks legit. We'll talk about them a little bit more. They're they're on our list of mm-hmm. of teams in a big game. They got this you know probably even a bigger game than they had last week. They got a even you know monstrous size game this yeah. this week. But mm-hmm. uh, you know Tennessee looks looks legit, and you know Hendon Hooker their their QB I'll there. Tell you looking like a possible, you know, Heisman guy there. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, Tennessee's, you know, I, I think you can officially say the vol the balls are back. And, they're you know, for real. They they yeah. they have, you know, looked looked the part. Like I said, they're gonna get a big test this this week. But yeah, uh, you know, good. they look they look good against LSU. I mean, from the jump. I mean it, it wasn't close from the beginning. I mean there was never a question who was going to win this game. I mean it, it was I think twenty one to nothing before the first quarter was even over. So it, it was it was a blowout. It was, you know, whatever, but you know, hats off to Tennessee. They're they're playing real well right now and uh We'll, we'll, like I said, talk about them a little well, bit It's later. not just their offense playing real well. Their defense forced two turnovers and had five sacks this game. It held LSU to only 55 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's a great defensive effort. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I will say the only blemish in this game for Tennessee, they did have 12 pen- penalties for 107 yards. So they definitely, you know, like I said, we got, clean that up. they got a big game this week. If they, you know, want to have a, a good shot, you can't, you know, can't shoot yourself in the foot there yeah. against, you know, big, big time opponents. But, you know, if, if you could say anything bad about that game, that that was that was the one thing for Tennessee. So, but other than that, they they played a, a phenomenal game. <clears throat> All right, very good. Second game, uh, at least at least one second game I had listed was uh, UCLA and Utah. Um, 
I got this game right. I, I picked UCLA. They won by 10 and, you know, kind of a high scoring contest, 42-32. And to me, the, the stats were real close. Mm-hmm. If you go down through the stats, I think what, what killed Utah was the tur- two turnovers. But a stat that I found interesting, and I, I'm trying, still trying to figure this out, the Rose Bowl was only at 47% capacity. What, wow. What's going yeah. on, you know? With no, the, I, I, that's, that's interesting you bring it up because, yeah, it's a, a story that's been going on here is that, yeah, UCLA is off to one of their best starts since 2005, but their attendance is one of the lowest in college football. Yeah. And it's mostly because the Rose Bowl is nowhere near their college campus. So they're not getting any of the students to the game uh-huh. because – the students have to, you know, you, you somewhat have to drive, and it's not like it's, you know, five-minute drive across town. It's, well, if you've it's, ever driven in California, it's no fun. I right. can tell you that. And, and so they're losing out on their student pop, you know, their own, you know, student population because right. they're playing in a, 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 you know, an arena or, you know, a, an event that's not even on their college campus. So yeah. it's, you know, I, I guess that, yeah, is a head-scratcher for me as to why they're, why they're doing it. I, I get it. The Rose Bowl is probably a bigger venue than their own, you know, stadium but, but not filling it up but what's, not it, matter? Up? Yeah, what's yeah. it matter so but yeah. yeah that's that's interesting you bring that up but yeah that's that's a lot of it or you know what i was able to kind of decipher through is that they're not capturing their own home crowd because it's not anywhere close to you know where the campus is so yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but this is the game that i got i got wrong but uh out of, out of the week but i think for this one ucla nothing but redemption in this game i mean yeah. coming into this the last five meetings, Utah had won by an average margin of almost 30 points a Ooh. game. So nothing but redemption for UCLA. They came out, set the tone early, and, and, and you know, really from the jump never looked looked back. I mean, I, I think that they led wire to wire in this one. So, and Like Rob said, though, this, this game on paper was close. The stats were almost identical. UCLA just cashed in the opportunities when they had the chance, and Utah kind of stumbled and, mm-hmm. and had a few, few gaffes there when – didn't cash in when they had the shot, and that was ultimately the difference here. All right. Uh, third game, uh, this game was – I got it right, but it was a lot closer than what I expected, and that was that Florida State-North uh, Carolina State game. Uh, North Carolina wound up getting it with uh, a, by a two-point margin, 19-17. to 17. And I think, uh, I think part of the problem – Jordan Travis for Florida State didn't have a, a great game. Mm-hmm. Um, he went 15-30 and then two picks, so – to me, it was it was the play of the quarterbacks that made the difference in that game. But uh, thankfully, I got it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Talk about an ugly football game. I'm not sure either team wanted to win that <laughs> thing. It, it was just ugly all the way around. And you know, Florida State made some questionable calls mm. at the end of that game. They were they were in field goal range. All they had to do was you know run the ball a few times and set up potentially a game winning field goal. Mm. Instead, they're out there throwing the ball mm. into the end zone. All right. Quarterback lost up a. Illivised pass to nobody. He just flung it up yeah. there. Yeah, and, and NC State picked it off to seal seal the deal. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I don't know what Florida State was doing. Yeah, you know that that's typical. Run the ball there, mm-hmm. get get the clock down, kick right. that game game winning field goal, and go home a winner. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah, I think you know, like you said, Matt, you hit the nail on the head there. I think Florida State will definitely be wanting this game back. I mean, the the, the thing for North Carolina State, their their quarterback got knocked out of their starting mm-hmm. quarterback got knocked out of the game. Looks there, like it'll be for for a little bit. Could here. be a while. He was, you know, seen on the sideline in a in a mm-hmm. sling. So you know, usually not, you know, doesn't spell good things. But you know, the backup comes in and the guy throws one pass, goes o for one, o uh-huh. for one in the passing thing. You know, so you basically say the guy comes in and Does all all North Carolina State can do is run the ball. Yeah, we don't trust you to run the offense. Right. So if you're Florida State, how in the world do you not, you know? not stop them. I mean, not, not, you know, stop them from, you know, doing one thing and that's run the ball. And you know, North Carolina state was down 17 to three at halftime and and Florida state never scored a single point in the second half. I mean, and I think you have to say hats off to North Carolina state's defense because they, they, they did their part, you know, in the, in the second half. So, Mm -hmm. you know, but I think just a lot of mistakes, a lot of, you know, ill-advised stuff on the Florida state one, and they'll be wishing they had this, had this game back because yeah, they, definitely let it let it slip away and i believe i heard the stat right on that backup quarterback he's a fifth year walk-on quarterback so <laughs> yeah. i mean that that's the best they have yeah for, for the backup yeah. slot there at quarterback it could it could spell it, bad it things could be disaster the rest of the way for speaking of backup state. quarterbacks our next game uh you know game again i got right it was a lot closer there at the end uh tcu 
pulled it out 38-31 over Kansas. But, you know, the talented kid from Kansas, uh, Jalen Daniels, was injured late in the first half. Um, and at that point, you probably thought the game was over. Mm -hmm. But uh, they bring in their backup quarterback and Jason Bean, and what's he throws four TDs against one pick, mm -hmm. you know, to make it a one-score game. All right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, uh, he came in and, and played – almost like the you know offense never skipped a beat he right. came in and, and and did his thing or you know whatever but uh you know tcu at the, at the end of the day they they found a way to win this game and you know they're off to their best start since 2017 and you know going into the season they were they were expected to finish kind of middle of the pack in the in the big 12 um and and now they're sitting at at, at the top they're they're mm -hmm. undefeated sitting there towards the towards the top and they're another team we'll be talking about here yeah, in a few short they're on our slate for this few week. short minutes um oh. to see if they're you know really real for real here um you know it's uh you know but i think the quarterback play for for tcu the guy throws for almost 308 yards you know on that side of the ball but mm -hmm. you know hats off to tcu go on the road and, and get a big win against you know an up-and-coming kansas team or you know kind of a surprise kansas team but mm -hmm. uh yeah, they, they get it done and got another big one this this week. Yeah, like I said, another heck of a heck of a game that was on the slate last week, and you know I got this one right as well. TCU getting the win, but I, I have to think had Kansas quarterback star quarterback not gone down, yeah. I, I think Kansas's offense could have could have done a little bit more and potentially pulled out a victory right, here. Yeah. I mean, that was, or maybe sent it to overtime game. or yeah. you know whatever. Yeah. All right, and the last one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, nobody, I mean, I, I picked this one right, but I didn't think it was going to be 49 to nothing. You know, wow. the Red River rivalry, uh, Texas against Oklahoma. Quinn Ewers first came back from injury. Um, what do they do? They uh, go out and roll up 585 yards of offense and right. against only 195 for Oklahoma. I mean, this thing was so lopsided. It was never a game. This game was never in question. No, no. I, I think, yeah, like you said, Quinn Ewers comes in his first game. It's almost like he never, never missed a beat. You know, he came in and had an efficient day, uh, threw for four touchdowns, and then, you know, let B. John Robinson do do the rest there. But, yeah, Oklahoma, I, I think at the same time they were playing without their starting QB. Um, he was, he was you know, banged up and, you know, wasn't able to go. Once again, that limited them to, you know, who they were going to throw in there at QB. They – did a lot of wildcat stuff, you know, and mostly just, just ran the ball. They knew mm -hmm. that they didn't have a quarterback they could throw in there that could really, you know, throw it or, you know, give them a consistent, you know, passing threat. So they were limited to, you know, kind of a one-dimensional offense and Texas took advantage of it and, you know, beat, beat the brakes off of Oklahoma. Yeah, you know, uh, we, we talked about this a little bit before the show here and it, you know, the, the murmurs have got to be turned into loud screams that Brent Venables may not be the guy. They mm -hmm. may want him out of there already, but you know what? I got to ask Oklahoma fans what they expect. I mean, that team was decimated once that coach left. You know, yeah. a lot of those guys went to followed him to USC. You know, Venables came in with a with a cover that was pretty bare. You know, you got to give him time to get his guys in. I think he'll be fine in a couple of years. I know this isn't the result any Oklahoma fan wants, and I I picked Oklahoma because I thought just the pride of Venables would be enough to get it done. But yeah, yeah, they're they're a long way from being a great team. And I I think you know you got to give him a couple of seasons to, to get some guys in there and, and get his his look of a team together and right. really see what you got don't don't start calling for his head quite yet right yeah, well yeah. they got to get it straightened up pretty soon because Oklahoma's making the jump to S the SEC right. here pretty yeah. soon so you ain't gonna have only get tougher you ain't gonna have much of a learning curve because yeah, yeah it's you know you got to figure it out pretty quick <clears throat> yeah I agree all right well let's get into this week's games um First one I have written down. It's not the first game of the day. The first game of the day I'm saving saving for the last <laughs> topic of discussion. But I got Alabama, number three, which they dropped. Everybody knows coming in at five and zero oh, against number six Tennessee coming in at five and zero. Oh. Um, Bama throws a balanced attack at you. Um, you know they've both beaten some quality teams this year. Alabama's escaped a couple games that. Maybe they shouldn't have. Um, Tennessee's beaten some good teams. Um, Pitt, Pitt, who was 17 at the time. Florida, who was 20 at the time. And LSU, that was 25 at, at the time. Um, my, my concern is um, Tennessee's defense giving up 400 yards a game mm -hmm. um, and 307 yards of that through the, the air. Game, yeah. um, you know, and a balanced attack from Alabama. Vegas has got... Bama with a seven and a half point advantage. Um, but, you know, how can you bet against Hendon Hooker? He still hasn't thrown a pick all season. Mm -hmm. um, like we said, you know, he's putting up some some Heisman uh, worthy numbers. I, I don't know. I get 
But to me, I, I just can't I, – I don't know. They're going into Tennessee. Man, I, this is a tough one, I think. I think it, it's closer than seven and a half points, but uh, I got I got to give the Tide. I, I got to give the Tide the edge in this one, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to see it get – get beat <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think i think this one is is going to hinge on you know what's the health status of you know bryce young coming yep, into this coming into this game i mean we don't we don't know i mean I, I i'm leaning more towards him him playing i mean he's been on the sideline the past two games you know suited up ready to go but uh, i just think they're you know they, they they thought you know they could win the two games you know that they did and they obviously did with the backup qb but i i don't think that they can win this one with without bryce mm-hmm. young um I think it's going to be, you know, even if he does play, I think it's still going to be a, a tight ball game. But I think the difference is the Alabama defense compared to that Tennessee yeah. defense. I think that yep. Alabama's defense, they do a good job. You know, they may give up some plays here and there, but they do a good job of just keeping everything in front of them. They don't give up that that big play. And, and I think that's a lot of what Tennessee's offense is built on is, is, you know, hitting you with those deep balls or, you know, hitting you with those home run, you know, type plays. I think if Alabama can limit those and, and make Hendon Hooker work for the first downs and not just, you know, give him 15, 20, 25 yards on, on every down, I, I think Alabama, you know, has a good a good one. But tight ball game, I think that seven and a half is a little bit too too much. But I think Alabama, at the end of the day, gets gets the win. Yeah, you know, Tennessee hasn't seen a D like Bama's yet this year. But I'll say the inverse is the same for Bama hasn't seen an offense like Tennessee yet this yeah, year yeah. either. Yeah. You know, I mean, t- he's a true dual threat. We yeah. talked about it. You know, Hendon Hooker's a true dual threat quarterback. And I mean, Bama Bama struggled against Texas. They struggled against Texas A and M. You know, both teams that their offenses are nowhere near as good as what Tennessee's going to throw yeah. out there. You know, I I talk, talked to my co-host here before the game and said I wanted to make this a conditional pick. They told me I can't do that. <laughs> so so you know what? I, I guess I'm I'm gonna. Say not not so vast and roll right. the dice and say, I'm going with Tennessee. I, just, right. I think hey, their, their offense can do enough. And Bama, Bama has struggled even with Bryce Young in mm-hmm. there. Yeah. They struggled against Texas with him in there. Right. I, I think Tennessee's offense does enough to win a close game. All, All right. right. Very All right. good. Uh, uh, next game I got, a team that, you know, we've talked about a little bit through the, throughout the season, North Carolina State uh, traveling, going north up into Syracuse. Um North Carolina State's five and one, ranked fifteenth. Um, Syracuse five and zero, oh, ranked eighteenth. And actually, Syracuse is the favorite team by three by three points. Um, here's my thing. Uh, you know, they got Syracuse's defense only giving up fourteen points a game, but I, I, you got to, and their offense is scoring thirty eight points a game. So obviously, a big uh, big spread there, but. The, to me, they're big games where they where they really you know made kind of that obscene number of thirty eight points a game. It was one game against UConn they scored forty eight points, and a game against Wagner mm-hmm. they scored fifty nine <laughs> points. Who hasn't so, who hasn't won a game all year? Right. So I mean, to me, yeah, that those are great numbers, but you know, um, I don't know. I guess North Carolina State's defense only giving up sixteen points a game. Uh, that wide receiver Thayer Thomas having a great year. I, I got to go with the Wolfpack in this. I think they've played better quality teams. They've seen better competition. I don't think Syracuse is ready for the prime time yet. Yeah, no, I, I got to agree. I think, uh, you know, like you said, that, that Syracuse numbers are look good, you know, on paper, defense, whatever. But, you know, their five opponents combined record is 12 and 18. So, you know, they, they don't have a, a big body of work to, to look at to say that this team really is is legit. I think this is going to be another low-scoring affair. I, I don't think, you know, North Carolina State starting quarterback is going to make it back in time for this one. So they're going to have to throw in, you know, somebody just to get get some kind of, you know, offense out there. But I think that their defense, until their starting quarterback comes back, if he comes back, is going to be the one that has to keep them in the game. I think that that minus three for Syracuse is probably, you know, close. But, yeah, you know, I think at the end of the day, I think North Carolina State gets gets the win, you know, pulls off you know, the upset, even though they're the higher ranked, the higher ranked team, um, just because their defense is something I don't think Syracuse has seen up until up until this point. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to say not so fast to both of you again on this one. You know, uh, NC State's offense these last few weeks have just been anemic, even with their starting quarterback in there. You know, they're, they're not putting up points. They're not moving the ball. They're not playing very good on the offensive side. I, I know their defense is great and they can they can hold down the other team's offense. But if your offense isn't scoring – 
it's it's tough to win football. Just ask Iowa. Yeah. So you know you. If it's if it's definitely if it's their backup quarterback in there, you know the the, the fifth year walk on who like with no threat threw, to throw threw the ball. one pass last week. Yeah. I I just I don't like North Carolina State's chances with that kind of offense. I think Syracuse doesn't. I think three three and a half is probably about right because this is <laughs> yeah. going to be a low scoring affair on both mm-hmm. sides because it's a good defense. But mm-hmm. I think Syracuse's offense does enough to get it done. All right, all right, very good. Uh, third game on the and actually we're doing six this week. I don't know if we mentioned that yeah. going in because. There's uh, six games where uh, all the both teams on each side are ranked. But on uh, the third one, uh, Mississippi State uh, coming in at rank 16th at five and one, going against Kentucky at four and two, ranked 22nd in the country. Mississippi State's got a seven point advantage right now. Um, you know their their quarterbacks playing fantastic. 22 TDs against three picks, 355 yards a game they're rolling up passing um you know they beat arkansas they beat texas a&m uh i just i'm just not sure the wildcats are ready for for this kind of competition i got i got mississippi state in this one yeah i, I gotta gotta agree mississippi state comes into this one favored by by a touchdown um you know there there are some health questions about you know kentucky starting quarterback and will levis um somewhat you know got banged up in their game last week and I think he's he's the key or, you know, the crucial part of this of this Kentucky offense. If he doesn't play, Kentucky doesn't doesn't have much of a chance. Mm-hmm. That means they got to rely more on their run game and their run game has averaged less than 100 yards a game. And, and, and that's even with bringing back their, you know, their star running back these last couple of weeks. So I just think, you know, too much going to be have to rely on that on that run game. Mississippi State scores points in bunches i, I think it's just going to be too much for for the wildcats and they they get they get run out of this one yeah, yeah looking at this thing kentucky after starting the season off four no they've been on a downward trajectory ever since they've lost their last two games while mississippi state against better opponents that that team is really starting to come on mm-hmm. over their last three games mississippi state's averaging 42 points per game compared to kentucky's only putting up 21 points a game mm-hmm. kentucky's got a, a pretty decent defense I just don't think it's going to be good enough to slow down Mississippi State. Mississippi State gets the W. All right. All right. Next one, I uh, got number seven, USC, coming in at 6-0, and uh, going up against a 20th-ranked Utah team at 4-2. and And actually, Utah's a three-and-a-half-point favorite, which I was a little surprised, I guess, maybe USC playing on the road. Um, you know, and their, their quarterback's playing well. Cam Rising, you know, he's having a good season, 13 TDs to three picks. Um, I don't know. I but you got to flip that to the other. Look at what Caleb Williams is doing, you know, in Southern California there for the Trojans. Mm-hmm. 14 TDs against one pick, right. you know, and, and they got a, a stud running back and senior Travis Dye averaging uh, 6.3 yards uh, per carry with six TDs. I, I like the Trojans in this game in the upset um, uh, going forward. You know, we've, Utah's been on our slate. They took their loss against UCLA. I, I look forward to be four and three after this weekend. Yeah, Matt, what, what do you think there? Yeah, you know, you, UCLA, or USC has looked great so far this season, but they haven't faced a team like Utah yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, both these teams have two common opponents so far this year. They both played Oregon State and Arizona State. Mm-hmm. USC won those two games to combine 59-39. to 39. Utah won those two matchups to combine 76-29. to 29. Mm-hmm. Utah's got a whole lot of offense. Uh, I, I think their offense is better than USC. USC hasn't seen anything like it all, all year this year. I think Utah wins by more than that three and a half points. Oh, wow, wow. Nice. going with the big, the big one there. All okay, right. well, I say, I say, I think USC, USC gets it done. I just think on that offensive side of the ball with, with Caleb Williams, you got the wide receiver in, in Jordan Addison, who's a big time playmaker for him. And then, you know, like Dad mentioned, the running back from, you know, transfer from Oregon to to USC and, and Travis Dye. I just think too many guys, too many weapons, um, you know, on that that side of the ball. Even if Utah's, you know, defense is able to key on one of those guys, they're going to hit you with with somebody else. And USC's defense is is playing pretty pretty well. Already got fifteen, you know, forced fifteen turnovers already through through uh, six games here in the in the slate. So, uh, but you know, if you look at these two teams, I was looking, I was trying to, you know, pick who I was gonna gonna win based on stats. 
They're their stats are almost identical, identical yeah. in everything. Every yeah. category is almost yeah. identical. Yeah. So it was like, that's man, this, with the common opponent, right? Yeah, this one's really, yeah. really tricky. But you know, I think yeah, USC just has too many playmakers on that on that offensive side of the ball. I think they they get it done. <clears throat> right. I'll tell you what, this this week's either gonna make or break me here. I think I've got three different. Than <laughs> yeah, like I said, guys, we all so. did well last week, but nobody moved up because right. we all went four and one. We improved our percentages, yeah. but yeah. nobody moved up on anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, next, I got number eight. Oklahoma State at five and zero, going to play the uh, TCU team that we talked about earlier, uh, ranked thirteenth at five and zero. Um, TCU's favored by three and a half. Uh, man, I don't, you know, TCU's rolling up five hundred and thirty yards of offense a game, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and averaging forty six and a half points a game. And I and I got to tell you, fellas, they've beaten two ranked teams in the last two weeks. And they scored their average in those games. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like they were rolling up big numbers against weak teams. They've rolled up that 46 and a half points against two ranked opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of those Oklahoma who's now officially in the, in the well, dumpster. Yeah. yeah, true. I mean, at the time, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. they were a ranked team. Uh, Oklahoma State on the other side, they're given, their defense is giving up 423 yards of offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but their offense has pick up, put up good big numbers against Central Michigan and Arkansas Pine Bluff. Mm-hmm. But when they play two ranked teams, they're averaging 46 oh, for the whole season. They're averaging, I think, 46 and a half points a game this season too. But the two games that they played against ranked, a, a, their only ranked opponent, which was Baylor, they were 10 points below their average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm giving the team in purple, the Horned Frogs, the edge in this one. Yeah, yeah, I got to gotta agree. I think I'm, I, I like TCU in this one as well. They're at home. I just think that, you know, as much as the offense for Oklahoma State has improved, you know, compared to last year, their defense has taken a a major step back from where they were, you know, a, a year ago. I think that's the difference maker for me. You know, as much as we talk about, you know, TCU's offense, about, you know, how high-powered and balanced they are, their defense is no slouch either. They, mm-hmm. they, their defense is is holding you know opponents and doing enough to, to get to get wins. I think that they 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 pull off you know pull off a win here and uh, you know uh, to, you know send Oklahoma State to their first loss. I like I like TCU to continue their their hot streak. Yeah, like Rob said, this doesn't get any closer on paper. Both these teams are scoring forty six point four points per game. TCU's giving up twenty three point eight. Oklahoma State only twenty four point eight. So I, I think this game's going to come down to. Time, 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 uh, time of possession, mm-hmm. being able to hold the football. And TCU uh, on th- has a better third down efficiency rating. They're 49.2% on third down, while Oklahoma State's only 40.8%. And TCU rushes the ball better. They average 230 yards per game compared to Oklahoma State's only 158.6. I think it's going to allow TCU to control the clock a little bit, control the pace of the game. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's going to be just enough to give them a close victory here. Uh, that's the first game we all agree on so far, <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. So far this week. Um, all right, the last one, big one for us in the Big Ten, uh, Michigan coming in at number five at six and zero, oh, um, going going against Penn State at Michigan. I think is an important stat. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to play, you know, a, a, an unbeaten Penn Penn State team in Happy Valley. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that, but we do, uh, you know, after two weeks on the road, Michigan does get to come home to the Big House. Penn State's ranked tenth, five and zero. Oh. They're coming off a bye. Uh, you know, this week. So, you know, I don't know. This, this man, I, I'm nervous about this game. We haven't – Michigan put up some good numbers, but we really haven't played the best competition. Our schedule has been one of the weakest in, in FBS. So, um, but, you know, Penn State's offense is ranked 38th in the country. Their defense is ranked 38th in the country. Mm-hmm. Michigan's – our defense – a lot better, but let's dig into that a little bit deeper. Um, to me, Penn State's number five against the rush. Mm-hmm. Rushing defense are number five in the country. Michigan's defense, number seven in the country against the rush. Where you see a big flip, Penn State's 102nd against the pass. Mm-hmm. Michigan's defense, 11th against the pass. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, Michigan's going to have to cash in on that because they've had a lot of passes this year where I think McCarthy's kind of overthrown his, right. his intended his, targets there quite I a mean, bit. I mean, he started out the season uh, really accurate. He still has the best completion percentage, number one completion percentage in college, in, football. In college football at uh, 78.3% uh, and in the fifth highest QB rating. But, again, we haven't played very good competition. Mm-hmm. This is going to be our first test to me. Um, 
I think, you know, going along with that, that defense being 102nd against the pass, they're giving up 262 yards of passing uh, per game. Um, and, you know, they are fifth against the rush. But, again, they've not seen a rusher like Blake Corum yet this mm-hmm. year either. The guy is just having an absolutely phenomenal season. Uh, but, again, this will be one of the toughest defense that, he, that he's seen, that our offensive line has seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned J.J. stats, uh, first in the country in completion percentage, um, fifth in QBR rating. Um, Blake, Blake Corum, third in yards rushing, third highest in yards rushing, second in total TDs. Um, I got to go with my Michigan Wolverines in this game. Um, they're favored by seven. That might be too high. Mm. Uh, it, I think it'll be a close game, and I don't think Michigan. Um, but I think I don't think Michigan puts up some of the big numbers that we've seen. But I think I think they do get to win in the at the end of this game. All right, all right. Well, yeah, I got to agree with you. I like I like Michigan in this one, and you know, for a lot of the same reasons that you that you mentioned there, and you know, another one I, I'm talking to a, a a Penn State fan, a guy from Pennsylvania at, at work, you know, this week, and talking a little bit about, about the game. And I mean, he flat out told me, he goes, yeah, Penn state, we're not very good. Um, he said, you know, we're, we're not as good as, is what our record shows or, you know, we, we may have not have played as tough opponents either. Um, you know, and so that gives, gives me a little boost of confidence, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I just think the difference in this one is, is Michigan's balance on, on offense. You know, it, you know, it's always been that rushing attack or we've always had that rushing attack, but mm-hmm. this year we have a quarterback, you know, we, we proved it last week in, in the game against Indiana. I mean, McCarthy threw for over 300 yards. So it, when 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 it's needed or when it's there, we can now rely on a quarterback to, to – And take to, out that 50-some-plus yard run of Blake Corums. He really didn't have that great a game right, last week. Right, and so I think that that balance or, you know, having that ability to have a quarterback that can lead us when, when that rushing attack isn't there. And, and it very well could not be, you know, as, as good as Penn State's rushing defense is this week. I just think that there's, yeah, a lot more, you know – a lot more balance to this offense than, you know, what it has been in, in years, years past. I think at the same time, Michigan's defense, they get off to some slow starts, but they, they, they tend to figure it out and, and get that pass rush going. I just don't trust Sean Clifford with the ball in his hands. I, I think, uh, you know, Michigan gets it done here. <clears throat> uh, looking at these two teams on paper, they're, they're both really close, but neither of them really had to prove it yet this year. They haven't, neither of them really played the best they have opponents. They have so, you know, but the, the stat that stands out to me in what should be a close contest like this is, again, third down efficiency. Michigan's 45.5% on third down. Penn State's only 33.8%. That's a lot of extra possessions. It looks like uh, Michigan can rack up here, control the ball a little bit more. And it, in a close game like this, I'm going to have to take a sip of my beverage before I make this pick. I'm picking Michigan. Right, I know that kills. I know that kills you to have to do that. Matt. But you got to get your stats up too. Yeah, you got to get um, wins. Yeah, we're you know, and, and that's the thing. We'll we'll see what happens going forward with this. I don't. I, I, it's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. All I right. can't wait to watch it. Well, that's all we got for tonight. We went a little bit longer. We had a lot of stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. And we got a little long-winded, but we appreciate you guys sticking with us. Yeah, uh, appreciate you listening to Fired Up with your host, Colton Cal, Chief Rob Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And, you know, if you want to hear uh, other topics for our show or, you know, just have a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our different social media platforms. We got an Instagram at uh, fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook at fired up comma sports podcast. Um, and as always, you can always head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com. We can find all of our past episodes and, you know, find a little bit, you know, a little bit of information about the show and you can find all of our past episodes. And even this, this episode, um, you know, coming tomorrow um, on all different podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, Pandora, any, any, Anywhere you can find a podcast or listen to podcasts, you can find our show. So appreciate you all listening. And as always, stay Stay fired fired up. up.